You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. I am now at the Sounding Oak in Tavernus. The Sounding Oak, an ancient enchanted tree that is revered by the people of Tysa, towers over a circular stone-walled garden in one of the oldest sections of Tavernus. Over the past few centuries, the Grand Tree has lost several limbs, which has caused it to assume a withered, almost eerie appearance. Despite this, the Standing Oak and the garden in which it stands remains a place where people frequently congregate. There's a link for the Standing Oak. The Standing Oak, a tree many claim is older than the city that surrounds it, towers over a stone-walled circular garden in one of the oldest sections of the Tyson capital. So there's little doubt that the ain't that the massive ancient oak is enchanted it has long been believed that the magic protecting and preserving the tree is weakening over the past three centuries the tree has lost several limbs as a consequence of this has taken on a rather eerie withered appearance despite its more recent hardships the standing oak remains an imposing majestic presence in the city one that serves to remind the people of Talanus and the kingdom at large of the determination and resilience of the Tyson people. Now you can step up to the Standing Oak and just hear people talking about things. You move up and stand before the ancient oak, a small group of people several yards away near the garden's eastern wall, listen intently to an old 
white-haired man expounding about the deplorable state of Tysa's neglected naval fleet. After nearly a minute, you tire of the man's harsh, droning rhetoric and step away from the tree. So there's, there's a few different options that turn up if you do that. It's sort of like a like speaker's corner in a parliament in England. But the real reason we came here is for the adventure, which is called the Chamber of Horrors. Emmett Taylor tells you the last she saw of him as she shielded three of her companions from the withered parting volley of magic was his limp body being dragged out of the tavern by two of the dark garbed assailants. Okay, who? Who is being dragged away? Who are the assailants? Guess we'll find out by doing the adventure. You scarcely recognised Emlet Taylor when she first arrived in the circular Stonewall Garden, a simple sanctuary long ago built to surround the legendary sounding oak. Dishevelled and nervous might best describe your initial impression of your trusted friend and staunch ally. Even now, Fuji's been standing before you for the last several moments. Her movements seem unsteady and her thoughts seem distant. As if almost entirely removed from the present. It's easy to see that something profound has shaken her, and that despite her silent effort to shake free of it, she has not yet escaped its grasp. It's been a long month, she says, blowing back a dangling strand of hair as she takes a seat on the low wall surrounding the base of the tree. I don't suppose you've been to Mugsprawl? The Twisted Gate? It's no more. We've scattered to the far corners of the kingdom and beyond. We have our places. For now, we'll be safe. But you, Zoop, you and I both, we can't be afforded such a luxury. I'm afraid we're quite in the thick of everything out in the open as they close in around us. Oh, dear. I thought I thought that place would be safe, but no, it's not. It's like nowhere's safe. You immediately ask her about the twisted gate. Imitala seems oddly reluctant to provide exacting details about what prompted the abandonment of the twisted gate. A place that long served as a safe haven for her and her fellow members of her ancient forgotten faith. She simply says that the alehouse was compromised and it can no longer be used. With the exception of one of us, we're all safe now, she says. Even the two of his meeting here in the open is dangerous. We can be thankful the incident at the Twisted Gate wasn't any worse than it was. Okay, but... Okay, who, who, who's not safe? Who's not safe?! I have to know, so I can save them. Even if that might not be what I should do. Because, you know, I, I have greater duties. Emmett Harler turns and watches a handful of youths moving through the gate at the far end of the garden. They stand speaking amongst themselves for nearly a minute before dispersing back along the lane that brought them here. When they're gone, 
the garden is once again nearly deserted. She looks back at you and smiles. Wouldn't you love to have their cares? I mean, trade theirs for your own. For even just a day, she says. As I said, it's been a long month. No shorter for you, I'm sure. But even with events as they are, I've not been idle. And I do have some things to report. Let me start with Quillbog. Emiletala tells you, after travelling with you in High Meadow, she immediately dispatched a trusted agent to Quillbog, seeking to discover anything about the scavenger and his possible recent movements in that region. While she has not yet received word from this agent, she says she has arranged to meet with him in two weeks' time at the Silver Shaft, an inn on the road between Trithic and Mixbrook. I'm afraid the continuation of our dangerous little enterprise awaits what we'll hopefully learn from the man I've sent south, she says. He's very good at what we do, so we need what he does. So we needn't concern us, so is there. He's not quite scavenger, but he's got a reputation all his own. He'll find he'll find out what we need to know. Emnit Harla stands up and glances about the small garden. Apart from the two of you, only a handful of people are in the vicinity of the tree. Apparently satisfied with what she's disturbed, she sits back down. So, anything you need to tell me? She asks, speaking in a more relaxed tone, one that suggests someone's spoken fear yet to be realised. You look as if you're keeping yourself well. You provide her with a few pertinent details of your recent endeavours. She listens intently and... Then, having, appa- having apparently satisfied what, what she seems to have felt was necessary inquiry, she abruptly switches topics. A lowered voice, an unflinching gaze betraying the seriousness, seriousness of what she's about to relate. There are some things I need to tell you. You listen with growing interest as Amit Harlow reveals several interesting details about the incident that forced her and her companions to abandon the twisted gate. There was an agent in our mist for quite some time, she says. What took him so long to act is difficult to say. But when he did, nearly proved the ruin of us all. She tells you that following your meeting in the High Meadow, she returned to Migsville, where she dispatched to Quillbog the man she previously mentioned. Then... The very next evening, she and her brethren were set upon as they slept by a group of powerful spellcasters. From what I could tell, they were trying to incapacitate us, she says. They wanted us alive, though I shudder to guess at their motive. I dare say they found us a little more capable of defending ourselves than they had anticipated. We were all left a bit singed and dazed when they finally fled into the night. It wasn't until a few minutes later they realised my brother Thrimbrack was missing. Oh no, Thrimbrack. The young woman's sudden mention of Thrimbrack takes you by surprise. When you last spoke with Emily Taylor about her brother, she indicated he was indisposed somewhere in Trithic, and that she did not wish to converse further on the subject. You clearly recall the last conversation we had with Emily Tala about her brother Thyback. 
Emmett Haller gazed at you thoughtfully for several moments and seems about to speak when you unexpectedly ask her about her brother flying back. She shrugs and shakes her head, who by a change of demeanour is easy to see as your inquiry has touched upon a sore subject. Lost to this world, or so I see fit to say, she says, her voice suddenly choked with emotion. With him goes the only true light I've ever known in this world. You're always protecting me, Zoop, though I've found strength enough to get along on my own. I know you brought him the stones, and I might have cursed your name for it at one time, but no more. I don't think, even for a moment, that I bear any resentment towards you. How could you have known? My brother's undoing with his own work. If he hadn't found you to bring him the stones, he'd easily acquired another. Services of another to do the same. Grass Emmett Harlow is frying back his stir alive. She wipes away a streaking tear and again shrugs. He was, though barely so. When I last saw him, nigh on six months ago, she says, he was in Twithick. The state in which I discovered it is not one I will ever describe to anyone. If it is agreeable to you, Zoop, I would very much like to speak no more of him. Your thoughts abruptly return to the present. Emitala tells you she had all but consigned her brother to the slow, gruesome death that almost certainly awaited him on the streets of the Adderstone. I don't think myself heartless, though my outward indifference to his plight May, may have, may have me seen as such by some. He says, "I could no longer hope to help him. My pleading, my quiet patience, they had their limits. They solved nothing. I told myself he'd already died. I left him to whatever fate would ultimately befall him. The one thing I remember, thankful through all of it, was my father and mother had both already gone to their west." For them to have seen him as he was, with more than he could have hoped to bear, emits Hela pauses, despite the personal and tragic nature of what she just related to you. Her steadfast demeanour betrays no hint of emotion. Then, she continues, he turns up on our doorstep in Mixbull, at the Twisted Gate. Hey, I guess he recovered. Or at least... Patched over whatever wounds there were. <laughs> Calling to Emmettara, the man, the man who came to the twisted gate late one summer evening, was far removed from the hateful, dying wench she had abandoned in Twithick some months earlier. The owner at Thwimback, who seemed to have at last bested the worst of his demons, was swiftly invited back into the fold for which he had been unceremoniously cast years earlier. He was very different, but only in the best possible way, she says. He was as I always chosen to remember him, capable and coherent, eager to help us in any way he could. We welcomed it, I most of all. I was once again proud to call him my brother, proud to watch a wound fall silent when he entered it for my people to hang on his every word. You ask her about the spellcasters involved in the wade on the twisted gate, and she knows for certain they took Brian back. She nods. I have no proof, but my prayer to swear they were the Lun Lunawek. 
she says, the name immediately bringing to mind the many sinister tales surrounding the infamous order. And yes, they have him. First I thought they had only come for him, my brother. Cersei has a long list of his own enemies. They attempted to capture us all. Finback threw himself at them with a fury I've never known to exist in him. It was that frightful, savage rage that put the mages on their heels and gave the West of us time to escape. It was, unfortunately, the same rage that played them into that played him into their hands. Now there's a link to the Lunawek. Let's read that now. Although many consider Lunawek a brotherhood of mages first in all manner of telepathy and psionics, to be little more than a myth. There are those who contend they are indeed real, and a danger who anyone who un who wittingly or unwittingly crosses paths with them. Some believe the Ulurek exist. Some who believe the Ulurek exist also believe they operate as the enforcement and interrogation sect of the Grey Circle. Others believe they ply their sinister craft in the employ of a greater, more mysterious master. Well, well, I assume they're working for Woundskin now, or maybe Glorious, or who knows? It's all very complicated. Amelia tells you that, that, that she last, that the last she saw of her brother, as she shielded three of her companions from the wizard's parting volley of magic, was his leap body being dragged out of the tavern by two of the dark-garbed assailants. Imitala says she believes that her brother Thrimbak is being held and interrogated by Lunawek, a sinister ward of mages long believed to have, have an unofficial association with the Grey Circle. In some ways, it makes little sense, she says. Out of all of us, Thrimbak knows the least about her recent doings. That perhaps what he could reveal would be enough to prove dangerous to us. He has his own enemies, of course, and I cannot but I cannot believe he can count the grey circle among them. Certainly not the Lunawek. It doesn't matter to us why why they want him. I want my brother back, Soup. The images still haunt me. The day I left him, rolling about, sogging, gasping, washing in some alien twithic. Never be rid of that memory. We'll not abandon him again. I'm going to go after him. And it's harder reveals she knows the location to which Thrymback was taken. She tells you that north of Migsbrook, in the wilderness that runs up to the southeastern shore of Lake Iowan, stands the ruins of an ancient Titian outpost known as Deep Forest Hold. The long abandoned structure, she tells you. It's a place where she she believes is used by the Lunawek to imprison and interrogate their enemies. My suspicions have been confirmed by two of our confederates, she says. They kept watch over the ruins of Deep Forest. Forest for most of the past week. The Lunawek are most definitely coming and going. But there's been no sign of my brother. If he's there... He's been there almost a month. There's every chance he's already dead. But I'm still going after him. 
Emmett Harler pauses and glances around the walled garden before continuing. I want you to prepare to meet me at the Silver Shaft in two weeks, she says, a tone firm as she shifts a bold and unexpected directive. I've told you all this because I do not dare to underestimate the danger in which I'm heading. If I do not wive it at the end, one of my associates, some my associates, someone you can trust without reservation, will be there in my place. West Green, my brother, is my business soup. What lies before you cannot be delayed or endangered by any extraneous efforts. It simply cannot. Business is and will be my own. Now, that's not the sort of thing you... You don't just tell, tell a hero guy that you're going to do something incredibly dangerous and you might may well die and you, you shouldn't help. Don't help. Don't help. Heroes don't listen to that sort of stuff. Despite her seemingly harder position, you, meet, you, you immediately tell an empty health hero you have no intention of allowing her to embark on such a perilous undertaking alone. You boldly inform Emmett Heller that you will not allow her to undertake alone, what will likely prove to be an extremely perilous endeavour. When you tell her that you will accompany her on the mission to find and rescue her brother, she steadfastly refuses your offer. No more about it, she says. I will not have all we've worked for cast down what could be a lost cause. My reasons for going to deep, frost on, deep forest on my own. I owe a certain depth to my brother. Please, take no offence. But don't interfere with this. There is too much at stake. Ignoring what she has just said, you reaffirm your position, telling her that you will accompany on her on our mission to find her brother. Emmett Hellier's defiant demeanour softens and she ultimately sighs. The young woman, ultimately put off by your unyielding persistence, relents, shaking her head as she carefully studies your face. I don't think, I didn't think I'll stop you, but you have to admit that I did an admirable job of trying, she says. What is it about you, Soup? Please don't take this to mean anything. Please don't take this as anything but a compliment, but it's meant to be, but remind me so much of my brother. I see his spirit in you. To even more abundance, such a thing is even possible. Sorry, I don't mean to ramble. I thank you. Emmett Harler's face goes flush. She looks away, her eyes again scouring the edges of the garden. You sense she has just revealed to you more than she intended. In her sudden relaxation, the slip is brought upon a small measure of anxiety. Well, then if you're sure that you... She abruptly abandons her spoken train of thought when you nod, and with a single we single utterance, we inform your desire to accompany her to the wounds of deep frost. Right then, we'll leave it at that, she says. We'll also leave at dawn tomorrow for Midsprawl. There's still enough of the day left to gather up any supplies we might need. I'm going to Gators. If I'm going to Gators to Witherport, I'm going to... I'm going to need to quickly, quickly acquire a few different things. The following morning finds you standing on the top of a low forested hill, just to the west of Townless. You've been here for nearly an hour, having left the city before dawn. 
Before the last several minutes, you've been watching as Emnit Hartler makes what she says are the final adjustments to a familiar arrangement of seven rounded stones. At last, having apparently satisfied the results of her toil, she steps back and removes a bulging pouch from her rope belt. She empties the bag into the centre of the wing stone, ring of stones, spilling out a large pile of white and grey sand. You recall having seen this curious ritual performed twice already, once by Emmett Talia and once and again by the bandit chief Redleg. Alright, you first, she says, waving her hand over her creation. Stepping onto the sand will open the portal. I'll be right behind you. If all goes well, we'll peer in a little spot in the forest near Migspool. It's a place I use quite a bit for this sort of thing. Still slightly trepidatious about this strange form of gating, you acknowledge your companion with a single nod and step bravely towards the stone wing. Suddenly, the instant you lower your foot into the pile of sand in the centre of the wing of stones, you catch sight of the shadowy figure lurking in the trees just ahead. In that single fleeting moment before the shape vanishes, melting into the last departing remnants of dawn's twilight. You're certain you've seen and recognised the face, the face of Coratel. The crunch of your sand beneath your white foot serves to banish all thoughts of the strange sighting from your mind. The ground shivers and a dazzling white light erupts from the earth and streaks into the pale sky. The sounds of the world around you swiftly fade, First to a chorus of whispers, and then, just as quickly, to silence as you stumble headlong through a cold, lightless void. Your eyes fly open, and you immediately feel a pair of hands gripping you by the shoulders. Turning round, you find yourself face to face with Emily Taylor, somewhere in the thick of the forest. The young woman withdraws her hand and steps back, though she continues to study you closely. There. Not so bad after all, she says. Looks as if you were going to topple over. Well, not precisely where I'd hope would be, but we're close enough. Come on, we need to get get something. And then we somewhere a place to go. We're right outside Mugsville. You follow Amit Harla through the forest, are surprised when she suddenly stoops at the base of a towering maple. Trees a small ever satchel. She quickly opens a bag and peers inside. Apparently content, she closes the satchel and fixes it to her watch belt. Well, belt. Just a little more of what, what I use to make those portals, she says. I leave them around so I don't have to carry them everywhere. It's alright. Hold your nose. We're heading into the city. Within a few, few minutes, the two of you emerge from the forest and step onto a broad road that leads up to the gates of the city. Under the watchful eye of several city guardsmen, you pass through the imposing timber barrier and step onto the streets of the unsavoury Witherport. You and Emlet Tala make your way through the streets of Migspool. You quickly come to realise the young woman's wandering path, taking you ever closer to the twisted gates. Your, your suspicions are confirmed when the two of you stop at the edge of a small market directly opposite the tavern. 
You inquire about her reasons for returning here. She quickly tells you, hopes to be able to retrieve something from the tavern cellar. She then says she now realised the endeavour would prove far too risky. Looks empty, but it's not, she said, suddenly stepping back from the edge of the street. They've left at least one behind, perhaps to search the place, or to wait for me. I only hope that coming here wasn't a mistake. Let's go. Without a delay, the two of you make your way out of the city and head north along a well-travelled road that eventually bends west. Not long after turning west, you leave the road and plunge into the forest, returning to your original northward course. There's a smaller road not far ahead. will take us close to deep forest, she says. Stay ready, Zoop. I didn't tell you that we're walking into a very dangerous situation. The Lunuek aren't the sort of foe to whom we want to offer any advantage, no matter how slight. Suddenly, to stepping over a trickling brook, Hamlet Harla turns and stares at you thoughtfully. Thank you, she says. I couldn't bring myself to ask for your help, and yet, without it, I would certainly be in for more than I might hope to handle. Thank you. The world Emlet Hellier mentioned suddenly appears ahead. Sooner than you expected, the two of you pause at the end of the winding, well-worn track and cautiously survey the immediate area. We're not far from the hold, she says. Let's skirt the world. Say just inside the edge of the woods, with Emlet Hyler leading the way, nimbly moving through the undergrowth as she follows the curving road the two of you set off on the final push towards Deep Forest Hold. You've covered less than 50 yards when your companion holds up her right hand and mutters something that sounds like a curse. She points to a spot just up ahead, the edge of the road, but the measure proves unnecessary. It's a grim sight you've already taken notice of. The middle of the road, 20 yards from when you and Emet Emithara crouched in the underbrush lies an overturned wagon next to the sturdy, sturdy cart lie the mangled, bloodied remains of two horses and three men. The wagon's cargo, dozens of wooden planks, lie scattered across the track. Though it's, though it's difficult to tell for certain from this distance, it appears that both the men and the horses were brutally slain the blows of blunt weapons. Emnit Harla's face betrays no hint of emotion. As her eyes scour the scene, something is here. Something is there, she whispers. See it? Right there, just behind the wagon. Suddenly, you spot to what she's referring. Before he can say anything, a lone figure emerges from behind the overturned wagon. Who could it be? Your heart pounds as a lone Oterok steps into view from behind the wagon, the wooden iron being, moving more swiftly and fluidly than you recall, moves up to the bodies of the slain men and stops. Then, in a move that leaves you stunned, the Oterok turns its faceless head towards you. You've been spotted. Himitala wastes no time. She draws a curved wooden wad and steps onto the road, levelling her weapon at the Oterok. Before the single automaton takes a single step in her direction, 
A blast of fire erupts from the tip of the wad and strikes the Otorok, instantly insinuating the construct. As the smoke lifts, three more Otoroks step out from behind the wagon and start towards her. Ebitala immediately shouts at you, warning you to stay back as she hurriedly attempts to unleash a second attack with her splurtering wad. Her warning goes unheeded. Before you can take her, sure she can ready her wad for another blast. You're already upon. You're already upon the Otorok, brazenly engaging the deadly Twi'er. Well, if it's Otorok, time to time to equip Mjumbo's Oaken Wad to fight them. Otorok, one of three. The Otorok swipes at you with iron tipped wooden limbs. The Otorok has adapted its combat tactics to match yours. Adapted to 11 plus. Okay, just, just it's got a lot of health, these ones. But I'm just going to quick bash, 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 bash. Slain, 17 XP. Just going to quick combat them from now on. You step over the heap of twisted iron and splintered wood at your feet. Prepare to engage the next of the Otorok. Otorok 2 and 3, quick combat. You step over the heap of twisted iron and put 15 splintered iron and splintered wood at your feet. Prepare to engage the next of your Otorok suddenly. Before you quite know what's happening, Amy Atala brushes past you, her curved wad levelled at the last Otorok. The next instance, a blast of fire erupts from the tip of her wad and completely consumes the sinister construct. When the smoke clears, only small heaps of smouldering ash, ash and glowing iron fragments remain to mark the spot where the Otorok last stood. With the Otorok gone, you're about to make a closer examination of the gruesome scene. Gruesome scene when the sound of movement from behind startles you. You and Emmett Harler turn in unison and find yourself construct confronted by nine more Otorok. Behind the small legion stand three robed figures, their bulky garments drawn in tight at the waist by three lengths of rope. The robed trio, two men and a woman, step, step around the Otorok. Their hardened gaze is fixed on you and your companion. Emmett Harler flashes you a glance, but says nothing. We we had expected you long before now, says the woman, a tone firm, not entirely confrontational. I'm afraid you stumbled onto the handiwork of some of our less reliable sort. These Otorok can be unpredictable at times. The woman steps closer and addresses Emmett Harler directly. You're here now, at last, she says. That's what matters. Has you not squandered the chance for parley and mixable? All of this would certainly have never come to be. You suddenly take note of a small, round object clutched in the woman's white hand. A faint glow animates from the hidden item, surrounding her furled, her furled fingers with a globe of pale white light. You glance at Aimlit Hala and quickly note that her eyes are also fixed on the glow. 
as the color as the, as all the color drains from your companion's face. She stares at the pale light. The Lunuek mutters Emitala, her eyes darting sideways to meet your gaze. The world woman is about to speak when Emitata boldly cuts her off, demanding to know the whereabouts of Feinbach. Where is he? she snarls, renewing her grip on the curved wad. Where are you keeping him? He's alive. And will and he will remain alive if you choose to see reason, says the woman, tightly clo- closing her hand around the warm glowing object. We do not wish to harm him or anyone else. We need answers to questions. Answers you can provide. You will give them to us or we will take them from you. I suggest you opt for the former. Emmett Harlow repeats her question demanding to know where Thwimbach is. We've already learned what little he had to tell us, says the world woman. Through, when he learned that he is your brother, we knew he would like you. We knew you would likely come for him. Or you must understand what it is that we're up against. Not only us, all of us. Calamity beyond measure is coming. You're involved in something you cannot possibly comprehend, and yet you interfere here as if there will be no consequences for any of what you do. Allow me to dispel any such naive notion. You must. Emulate her again, her voice trembling with rage, interrupts the young woman and again demands to know where her brother is being held. Enough of this, snaps the robed woman. You've already had more chances than you deserve. Without warning, the woman throws up her hands. A bright white aura takes form around her and rapidly expands, enveloping you and Emnithala. Your companion, her, 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 face, her face twisted into an expression of rage, screams and stumbles forward, landing on the ground in a heap. Instinctively, instinctively you, bring, you, you attempt to spring forward, spring forward, eager to reach her side. But you find yourself barely capable of moving your legs. Suddenly, overcome by a powerful sense of fatigue, you collapse next to Emilitania. Lying on the ground next to Emilitania, you struggle against the unnatural drowsiness that threatens to render you unconscious. Slowly, your companion turns to face you, her eyes flicking wildly as she attempts to remain conscious long enough to say something to you. Fight it, Soup, she gasps. They're trapping us in our thoughts. Fight it. Don't look for the easy path out. Fight it. Emitala falls silent as her eyes wall back into her head and her body goes limp. You struggle for nearly a minute, lying, lying hopelessly at the side of your unmoving companion, lest darkness take you. The last thing, thing, thing you see before all goes black is the three Lunuwek staring down at you. Gosh, they are, they are good <laughs> at being bad. 
they're bad, but they're good at being bad. They brought me, they brought me and Aimlet Harler down with pretty much no effort on their part. Yeah, these are some formidable bad dudes. And dudettes. The dark void that consumed you is cold, lifeless, and silent. You drift into a peaceful sleep that seems to last an eternity. Aware of only your slow, rhythmic breathing, you find yourself strangely content to remain in this state, oblivious to all and mindful of nothing. Slowly, gently, your the unexpected touch of touch of someone unseen stirs you from your unnatural slumber. Your eyes creep open, and you're startled to find that you're standing in the midst of a dim haze, the central of the junction of four broad corridors. Suddenly mindful of the hand that stirred you from sleep, you turn to find yourself face to face with someone familiar, although the pale, translucent figure standing before you seems like something out of a dream. How are you? Dear friend, the voice issue, issuing from the mouth of the ghostly figure is clear and unmistakable. It is that of Windle, a man you saw quite some time ago, although though since the day of your parting he has let ever limbered on your thoughts. Your apparition of your friend and companion appears identical to your last memory of him. No, 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 this isn't real. This is not real. If we, if I was going to see him again, it would be after an, an epic quest. He wouldn't just turn up. He's, he's gone somewhere far, far deeper. Deeper than any of us should really delve. The em Wundle smiles kindly and repeats his inquiry. How are you? I trust... All is well. Not, not really. I've just been knocked out by, but by three wishes of Lumwek, and I'll presumably being captured to be, to face ungodly torment, in order to reveal all that I really should keep secret. So really, th things aren't going well at all. And also, you're not real. I'm, I'm ninety-seven percent sure that you're not real. I'm not here, not in any true sense, says Windle, answering one of the questions foremost on your mind. But I do know where we are, and you must not linger here. You're in your thoughts, lost in the corridors of your own mind, which is where I now reside, till such time as I am forgotten. It is, of course, inevitable that such will come to pass. Not satisfied with Wind with Wundit's cryptic revelation. You ask him if this place is the doing of the Lunawek. He pauses for a moment, then nods. Yes, I believe it must be, she says. It's your mind, but you are swiftly losing control of it. There are others here. I've seen them. They're searching for something. You must not allow them to find it. You must fight and free yourself from this prison. Okay, okay, now that, that's just that's just creepy. I'm being, my own mind is being invaded by 
dastardly wizards. Suddenly, the apparitions of both Helene and Trelock step out from behind Wundle. Your two former companions greet you warmly, though you sense they are uneasy in your presence. You attempt to put a question to the three ghostly figures, only to discover that you can no longer speak. Alright. So... If you haven't listened to all of my Proving Grounds 5, maybe none of this will make sense to you, and you won't understand that they are definitely, definitely not here. Although, they pretty much said as much. Although I would understand that these are the sort of people that if I was in trouble in my own mind... I would imagine people like them to help me. Seems you've already started to disbelieve us, says Windle, apparently aware of, aware of your failed attempt to speak. It's not surprising, as we are the, we are but ghosts among your thoughts. Even less than that. Fleeting fragments. The garbled flotsam of a mind slowly turning against itself. The last hopeful remnants of a besieged will. Wundle's speech fades to an inaudible whisper before suddenly returning. Though, though noticeably weaker than it was only moments ago. There is a chance to save them, you know. They are there. They are with you. They share your plight. Windle turns and looks at both Helene and Traylock, nodding as her eyes meet meet their concerned gazes. Then, without further words, the three figures, three, three figures step away from you and swiftly disappear into the pale haze filling the passage. As an eerie silence descends upon your strange surroundings, become acutely aware of the deep, wagged hiss of your own breath. Okay, I guess I'm coming back to reality now. You're standing in a junction of four broad corridors. Your men's stone passages extend out of sight, disappearing into the dim gaze that fills this strange prison. As you stare at the gaping mouths of the passages while while you consider your next move, begin to feel uneasy. You're not certain you want to move from this spot. And yet, I must. So I can go north, east, south, or west. Eh, I'll go west. Go west, for life is peaceful there. Go west, something, something, something. I don't know the rest of that song. <laughs> Probably for the best. You abruptly draw to a halt, frozen in mid-step, as a white, glowing, glowing silhouette, form identical to that of your own shadow, peels away from the the, the wall and slides into the centre of the corridor. The dazzling figure, its very presence simultaneously calming and bewildering, suddenly begins to expand, threatening to consume you. As the bright fabric of its being rapidly fills the passage, 
So I've got some options. Remain where you are. Head back east or continue heading west. I'll keep going west. Yeah, okay. It didn't A dim haze fills the corridors with your sinister prison. Playing tricks on you. Tricks on all your senses as you attempt to navigate this labyrinth. Maze that exists only in your mind. Oh, oh, oh I'm still I'm 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 still in my mind. I, I thought I'd broken out, but nope, nope, still in my own mind. Uh, that 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 explains why I'm not I'm not, you know, bound and shackled. Because I'm already more I'm already more traps than you could possibly be. Okay, there's something to the south. A swirling cloud of blue, blue and grey mist fills this wide alcove. You watch in silent amazement as, as the churning mass of fog rapidly trans, transforms itself into an elaborate scene. A scene made entirely out of mist. The likeness of Amit Harla takes form amidst the churning wisps of fog. Her face, at first adorned with a broad smile, quickly twists into a hideous, anguished expression. She appears to be shouting something when the image in, in the mist suddenly vanishes. The scene you've just witnessed seems to have negatively influenced your thoughts. A sense of rage, coupled with an equally powerful sense of despair, vies for control of your emotion. So I can head back north or remain at the edge of the fog. I'll remain. Remain, I don't know. For several moments you stand peering into the mist. Mist, wait, waiting to see if the scene, scene that took form out of the fog will reappear. When it becomes apparent that it is now gone, you take a step back, only to find yourself beset by a flood of emotion. Spending great, an, an overwhelming sense of despair washes over you as you fall back from the edge of the swirling cloud of fog. Okay, I'm still in the mist. A swirling cloud of green blame mist fills this wide alcove. You watch in silent amazement as a churning mass of the fog rapidly transforms itself into an elaborate scene, made entirely out of the mist. Suddenly, as quickly as the scene began to take form, it vanishes almost as thick. In almost into the thick, eddying tide of fog. Linger in the mist some more. As you wait, lingering at the edge of the fog, the scene that vanished only moments ago begins to slowly reform in the mist. Okay, okay, it's a swirling cloud of blue and grey mist fills this, this wide alcove. You watch in silent amazement. Scene. Okay, it's Amnitalia. She appears to be shouting something. The image in the mist suddenly vanishes. The scene you've just witnessed seems to have negatively influenced your thoughts. A sense of rage, coupled with an equally powerful sense of despair, rise for your control of your emotions. Okay, this does not seem to be a good place to be. So I'm going to head back north. Okay. Okay, now going east. Okay, here's that figure. I'm going to keep heading east. 
And then Hedy some more. She draws an abrupt halt in mid-step. as a black silhouette. It's form identical to their own shadow. Peels, pe peels away from the wall and glides into the centre of the corridor. The inky figure is very present, simultaneously bewildering and terrifying. Suddenly begins to expand, threatening to consume you as the dark fabric of the being rapidly fills the passage. So this is like what happened when I went west. I tried pulling through. I'm going to remain this time. The extending figure suddenly becomes a dense, swirling cloud of black mist that promptly envelops you. A, de a, de a deep sense of dread churns up within you. As, as strange shapes begin to appear out of the churning fog. You stand frozen, watching with a mix of terror and frustration. The strange shapes, strange shapes and images, both familiar and strange, take form. Out of the swirling mist. The shapes before you weave themselves into a frightful likeness of several fears. Fears for your past, forgotten nightmares, long hidden among the more prominent recollections of your thoughts. Despite the seemingly innocuous nature of the mist, you quickly, quickly realise the images and the thoughts they represent are attempting to consume your very being. You struggle to fend off the insidious attack on your mind and spirit. I now fight demons of the past. Okay, this is yeah, this has got a yellow colour, which means it's pretty darn hard. That that's above purple, so it's probably it means fourteen plus rolls or something like that. Okay, I'm going to equip my shimmering silver mace. It might help. Okay, begin combat with it. No, it's still it's still fourteen plus. I suspect it is scaled. Your weapon is ineffective against this enemy. Okay, it's crazy tough, and it's not some no have to use magical weapons thing, because the shimmering silver mace is a magical weapon. Okay, I'm just gonna what. The entity swells and attempts to consume you. You fled from combat. You take flight from the misty entity, stumbling back, back along the passage, as you quickly, as quickly as your shaky legs will allow. After several moments, you glance back over your shoulder, and are relieved to discover the mist is gone. Okay, here we are, misty figure swelling to be. Running to form me, remain where I am. Strange shapes appear out of the churning fog. Yep, demons of the past again. I cannot flee. I've got to begin combat. Alright, I'm going to fight defensively for a bit and then flee. Okay. Okay, that doesn't work. You will need to discover the mist is gone. Right, continue. Okay, here I am. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm stuck in a loop. Okay. 
Okay, head back west. Continue heading east. Okay. Okay, I got through that. Apparently this is one of those things where it is best if you just plow through and ignore it. Because it's it's not real, but it can still kill you. Because that's just how it is. Alright. Going this passage pass to north and south. Going north. A cloud of swirling blue and grey mist fills this wide alcove. You watch in silent amazement as the churning fog of churning mass of fog rapidly transforms itself into an elaborate scene. A scene made entirely out of mist. The face of Fryenback takes form out of the churning wisps of the fog. The warrior's eyes open wide with terror and then flicker and close. His jaw crumbles away and, and his brow splits. The next instance, the figure, the image in the mist suddenly vanishes. The scene you've just witnessed seems to have temper seems to have negatively influenced your force. A sense of rage, coupled with an equally powerful sense of despair, vies for control of your your emotions. Okay, I'm I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here, heading back south, okay? What's further south though? Okay, Emlet out a scene of mist, the likeness of Emlet Haler. Leaning over the prone body, Fryenback takes form out of the churning wisps of fog. She appears to be attempting to revive him, perhaps due to her efforts. The mighty warrior appears to be stirring. Suddenly, the image in the mist vanishes. The scene you've just witnessed appears to have positively influenced your thoughts. A sense of compassion. Coupled with an equally powerful sense of hope surges through your mind. Okay, I need more compassion and hope. So remain at the edge of the fog. For several moments, you stand peering into the mist, waiting to see if the fog... See if the, the scene that took form out of the fog will reappear. When it becomes apparent that it is now gone, take a step back, only to find yourself beset by a flood of emotion. A strange, euphoric sense of hope washes over you as you fall back from the edge of the swirling cloud of fog. Okay, scene is forming in mist. Suddenly, quick, quickly as the image begins to take form, it vanishes into the thick, eddying tide of fog. Linger into the mist as you wait, lingering at the edge of the fog. The scene that vanished only moments ago begins to slowly reform in the mist. Please continue. Okay, it's time back and Emily Taylor. Okay, equal its discouple sense of compassion, coupled with an equally powerful sense of hope, surges through your mind. Okay, this doesn't seem to be doing anything. It's, I think it's just, it doesn't mean things. Okay, remain at the edge. Okay, please continue. Okay, linger, keep lingering. 
Emnitz Harler. Okay, nothing's happening here. Okay, head back north. Okay. There's something going on here, but I don't think staying there will help. Head back west. Okay, I'm back to the crossholds. Head north. You abruptly draw to a halt, frozen in mid-step. It's a white, glowing silhouette of a form identical to your own shadow. Okay, it's another one of those things. Plow through! Plow, but head, head, continue heading north. Okay, I've got through that. Okay, head north. And there's an alcove. And passages to the east and west that end in T-junctions. Going north. A human arm, carved out of stone, extends from the very wall at the end of your corridor. The man, the arm's broad hand is, is open. This palm is turned off, turned northward. I assume I'm supposed to put something there. Head back south. Okay, making my way east. Okay, that, that's the most steps I've took in a while without being stopped. A dim haze fills the corridors of this sinister prison, playing tricks on all your senses as you attempt to manoeuvre to navigate this labyrinth. A maze that exists only in your mind. Went to the northeastern alcove. More mist. You're taken aback at the smiling faces of Gar, Wainlaw, and Jod, who were two adventures back. The three guys who shared your journey into the ruined Temple of Fallen Tree fall out of the churning wisp. It's a fog. Gar appears to laugh, though no sound escapes his list, while Waylon and Jod simply maintain their smiles. Without warning, the, the image the images in the mist vanishes. The sea you've just witnessed seems to have positively influenced your thoughts. A sense of compassion, coupled with an equally powerful sense of hope, surges through your mind. Okay, so it seems there's two... Things that can happen when you see the mist. You either get rage and despair. All compassion and hope. And I think I want more compassion and hope than rage and despair. Although rage can be useful in a pinch. Despair, very, very... In fact, I, I can't really think of any circumstance... Where you'd want to feel despair. I think, I think it might be the worst thing to feel. Despair. So I can, I can remain in the fog. And, and things happen. There's more mist. And the scene appears again. Okay. Going south. There's another alcove here. A vague sense of sense another scene in the mist. A vague sense of unease comes over you as a great hulking silhouette takes form from the deadly wisps of fog. The imposing figure, which you readily discern to be that of an ogre, begins chur churning in your lumbering in your direction, its massive hands gripping the haft of a of a spiked club. After taking only a few steps, however, 
the image in the mist suddenly vanishes. And now I have Wage and Despair. So I'm going to get out of there quickly. All right, I'm going to top up my... I'm going to top up my my compassion and hope to the north. Okay, and on the other side, there'll be there's there's another two alcoves. Your progress along the passage comes from a abrupt halt as a large shape suddenly emerges from the maze ahead. The weaving shadow, which reveals itself to be a long tapestry made entirely out of shadow, surges towards you. Expanding to fill the corridor as he rapidly draws near. Hmm. Yes. Now, is it a tapestry or is it an embroidery? There's, there's a difference. An embroidery, you have a piece of fabric and the and the image is sewn in is sewn on and into it. With a tapestry, the the image is the thing. So yes, this probably is a tapestry, not an embroidery. Unlike, oddly enough, the Bayox tapestry, which is an embroidery. Which is kind of embarrassing. Kind of awkward, because that's probably the only tapestry most people can name. But ah, that just, just happens. Well... Some of you probably learned something here. And a lot of you are going, oh, he's bringing that up again. How pretentious of him. I'll, I'll continue. A gruesome scene of rapidly changing images, each like something out of a nightmare, is playing out on the rippling face of the tapestry. Shaking as you struggle to quell the rising sense of terror Taking hold at the thaw of your thoughts, you instinctively strike out at the tapestry. This is a nightmare tapestry, and it is somehow something I can fight. I probably shouldn't have too many fights in my own mind, because I'll probably end up giving myself some sort of wrongness in the head. I might give myself a stroke or something. That looks like something that's unlikely to occur if you fight in your own brain too much. Nightmare tapestry. Anyway, I'm fighting it. It's almost certainly scaled to plus nine. The nightmare tapestry assails you with an awe of fear. I'm guessing... I'm guessing these auras of hope that I'm encountering... The mists, the mists that give me a feeling of hope, they probably help with these things. Probably. I've just got a feeling. I've not checked. I don't really want to check because I don't want to get any. don't want to spend my time exposing myself to the wages and fear. Wage and despair mists. Okay, just keep bashing it away. Sells you with an awe of fear, and it is slain. Is that a good thing? Uh, well, probably it's a good thing. Because this probably isn't part of my own original mind. It's probably part of the intrusions put there by the Lunarweg. The grim tapestry, its ghostly fabric hanging in tatters, mutters 
flutters to the floor, vanishing the instant it brushes against the cold stone. Unnerved by the encounter, but determined to find your way out of the mine prison, you promptly set off along the corridor. And now I've got to the northwestern alcove. Some more mist, and it turns. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Some more mist, as a, in the northwestern alcove, and there's a scene. The nightmarish vision of a charred, burning landscape, stretching up from the crumbled wall. Stretching up to the crumbled wall of a great city, takes form out of the churning mists of fog. The city appears to be tanless, though little of it is recognisable to you. Something large suddenly appears in the sky above the smouldering scene. The image of the mist vanishes before you can clearly make out what it is. And this image gives me rage and despair. And I don't like that. So I'm going to go opposite the opposite side there for another one. The image, the image of a great sea fog peeling away from a vast woodland takes form out of the churning wisps of fog. A rapid renewal seems to come over the forest as the dark mists dissipate just above the top of the trees. It vanishes and now I have a sense of compassion and an equally powerful sense of hope. And here comes another nightmare tapestry, just gonna fight that normally. Does it do anything? And it is slain, 40 XP, one twenty from the from the enchantment devastation, the grim tapestry, its ghostly fabric hanging in tatters, flutters to the floor, vanishing the instant it brushes against the cold stone. Unnerved by the encounter, but determined to find your way out of the mine prison, you promptly set off along the corridor. Okay. Now. With these positive thoughts, can I can I fight these these shadows? Right, yesterday's hope. The shapes before you weave themselves into the uncanny likeness of several vague but inspiring memories, thoughts long hidden amongst the more prominent recollections from your past. Despite the seemingly innocuous nature of the mist, you quickly realise the images and the thoughts they, are, they represent are attempting to consume your very being. You struggle to fend off the insidious attack on your mind and spirit. This is yesterday's hope. My weapon is ineffective. Okay. Now what about the east of the crosshold? Is Okay, demons of the past. Ineffective. Okay, and now I'm going to try out the western alcove. Remain where I am. Yesterday's hope. Okay, begin combat normally. Okay, okay. I'm not sure what's happening here. Okay, head back east. Okay, now the southern alcove. You draw to an abrupt halt, frozen in mid-step. Another shadow peels off the walls. Rain where I am. Dread shapes appear. 
and here it is, demons of the past. The shapes before you weave themselves into frightful likeness of several vague fears from your past. Forgetting nightmares long hidden amongst the more prominent recollections from your past. Alright, begin combat. And my weapon is ineffective. I've got to get something somewhere, somehow, to take these down. Or maybe I'm never supposed to fight them at all. Okay. And then there's a southern alcove. The churning tunnel funnel of fog, roughly your heights, hovers only inches above the floor at the edge of the passage. As you try to approach the spinning column of fog, you're suddenly overwhelmed by a powerful sense of aggression. Despite making several attempts to get closer to the fog, you find yourself unwilling to move any nearer. You promptly retreat to the north. Okay. Uh, there's another four alcoves with another four mist scenes on the southern side. And I guess I'll have a look at them at some point. But we've gone well over an hour. So that'll be enough for now. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.